Welcome to Wayne Zion Lutheran Church in Rome, Monticello. This is Sunday, March the 13th, 2022, second Sunday in Lent. The message is by Pastor Wendell Debner. The accompanist is Pete Temple. The lecture is Brandy Niedert. Thank you to Bill and Doreen Boken for sponsoring this week's broadcast in celebration of their 61st wedding anniversary on March the 11th. Visit us on our website at waynesion.org for more information. Thank you for joining us today. Wendell Debner and I'm your visiting pastor for today. I'm glad to be here with you. I've had a lot of connections with this congregation. I um, remember visiting when you had the former church and uh, maybe some of you might remember Pastor Wilms who was here. He's um, interred out in your cemetery right now. He was my confirmation teacher and my he baptized me. Uh, so there were these connections that we have. So I'm glad to be here today. Glad to be acquainted again with this congregation. Let us turn to worship as we begin our worship with the confession and forgiveness. And if you are able, please stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God of all mercy and consolation, come to the help of your people turning us from our sin to live for you alone. Give us the power of your Holy Spirit that we may confess our sin, receive your forgiveness, and grow into the fullness of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. 
Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and one another. We pause for a moment of reflection. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our opening hymn is number 321. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. 
For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help save, comfort, and defend us, gracious God. Together we pray the prayer of the day. It's printed on your insert. God of the covenant, in the mystery of the cross, you promise everlasting life to the world. Gather all people into your arms and shelter us with your mercy, that we may rejoice in the life we share in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Good morning. The first reading is from Genesis, chapter 15, verses 1 through 12 and 17 and 18. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliza of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a female, excuse me, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He brought him all these and cut them in two, laying each half over against the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and a deep and terrifying darkness descended upon him. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. The word of the Lord. <clears throat> Please read Psalm 27 responsively. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise up against me, my trust will not be shaken. Thank you. 
For in the day of trouble, God will give me shelter, hide me in the hidden places of the sanctuary, and raise me up high upon a rock. Hear my voice, O Lord, when I call. Have mercy on me and answer me. My heart speaks your message. Speak my face. Your face, O Lord, I will speak. Hide not your face from me. Turn not away from your servant in anger. Cast me not away. You have been my helper. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me on a level path because of my oppressors. This I believe, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The second reading is from Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 through chapter 4, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears. Their end is destruction. Their God is the belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. The word of the Lord. Please stand. Gospel is found in the 13th chapter according to St. Luke. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will finish my work. After today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not, you will not, were not willing. See, 
the house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Take another look at the Gospel lesson from Luke 13 that I read a moment ago. I believe it's on your insert. And with your imagination in gear, let's go with Jesus as he looks down at the city of Jerusalem, probably on a hill looking down on it. And imagine what he sees in the future, what that city means for him, and try to get in touch with his sorrow and with his frustration. Well, it's clear Jesus had a lot of enemies. The temple hierarchy was continually plotting against him. Herod, whom he called the fox, was trying to threaten his life, and the Roman governor, Pilate, would eventually have him crucified. And on occasion, even his disciples resisted his going to Jerusalem. Still, Jesus is determined to finish his work and to go to Jerusalem, a city that has a long history of murdering the prophets. Now, we usually think of the Pharisees as the enemy of Jesus, but in this case, it looks like some of them, at least, were his friends, perhaps even followers, for they appear to be genuinely worried about Jesus' safety, and they say to him, get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. Now, remember, there are two Herods in the Bible, a father and a son. The older one is Herod the Great, the king of Judea at the time of Jesus' birth. He's the one that ordered the death of all the innocents, that is, all the male babies under the age of two, because he thought the baby Jesus might be a rival for his throne. This Herod is the younger Herod, the Tetrarch of Galilee. He's a Roman official, and he ordered the beheading of John the Baptist as a reward for his daughter's dance. And so you see these are two ruthless despots and murderers so when the Pharisees warn Jesus, it's for a good reason. These are two very powerful and very dangerous people who have plotted against Jesus. But instead of going underground or heading for the hills, Jesus doubles down. Go and tell that fox for me that I'm casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow and the third day I will finish. Jesus is on his schedule, his agenda. And after his work is done, he's going to be on his way to Jerusalem because that's where the prophets go to be killed. The Bible says Jesus turned his face like flint towards Jerusalem. Flint, sparks fly. And it says that elsewhere in the Bible. He is facing his enemies head on. He's determined to do his father's will. And he calls Herod that fox as opposed to the lion or the king. A fox, of course, is a crafty and cunning and sneaky animal. Hardly a compliment. Herod would not be pleased to hear it. How much does Jesus know in advance of his final journey to Jerusalem? Well, it's hard to say, but it's pretty clear he knows a lot. For he had talked to his disciples about the possibility of his death, warned them that it was coming. And it's pretty clear that he knew what it would mean for him to be arrested and eventually to be killed. He talks about the prophets being killed as though it's his fate as well. But that's Jesus, isn't it? He does not flinch. 
He does not hesitate. He doesn't try to run away. He is captive to his father's will, and he has a destiny that is far more important than even his life. So, Jesus is an example for us to follow, isn't it? We, above all else, the followers of Jesus, who want to be faithful to his teachings, it shouldn't surprise us that we too will run into a fox or maybe an enemy as we follow Christ's example. For example, if you are employed, it's likely the company you're working for is more interested in the profit line than feeding the poor. And your boss might be a kind of a person who would cut a few corners if it was a reward for him. Sometime in your life, you will face some choices. A choice like Joshua described, choose this day whom you will serve. Now we don't go around looking for enemies. Sometimes it happens though. And when it does, we need to stand on our principles, our convictions, and face opposition bravely. And if you've never had to make that kind of choice between masters, get ready for someday you will have to declare your loyalty. For God has permitted us to be tested and challenged so that as Paul wrote, so our faith more precious than gold might be refined and purified. But with every temptation, God provides a way out and a way to survive. The storms of life make our, the roots of our faith grow deeper and stronger so that we can mature and become the kind of Christian the Holy Spirit wants to make of us. Besides, this might seem a little odd, but dealing with enemies will in many ways bring out the best in us. It forces us to show some courage and to take a stand. And that's when people see what we are made of and what we stand for. People look to our behavior rather than our words to see our values. That's the way we define ourselves. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the famous Lutheran theologian who resisted the Nazi movement in Germany, wrote this in his book, Life Together. Christ died in the midst of enemies, and when he died on the cross, he was all alone, surrounded by enemies. In the light of that, we Christians can't live a clustered life of peace and tranquility, but we must live in the thick of battle with foes. Well, of course, he was executed a few days before the Americans liberated his prison, but his books and his life still inspire us. He went to his Jerusalem, which was Berlin, and he died with the prophets there. Now, I think we've seen a contemporary example in the today's world. The Russian invasion of Ukraine is a terrible event, and the news reports are full of anguish and death and sorrow. But it's also given the rest of the world a good deal to think about. For instance, Europe has never been so alert to the aggression that's possible. And they are unified in their, pro in their response right now. Besides, we have grown to admire the Ukrainian people for their courage. And we have seen how they love freedom and how they love their independence. And they are willing to sacrifice even to die for it. Well, nobody wants to be surrounded by enemies like that. We do what we can to avoid them, but sometimes we go overboard. We go to great lengths to avoid conflict because it is risky and dangerous, and it takes a lot of our time and energy. But when the issues are important, 
when they are crucial to our faith, and when they are driven by important principles, we do need to stand firm and face the threats like Jesus did. But you look again at that gospel reading, the tone of it changes a good deal <clears throat> when you get to verse 34. There we have a picture of Jesus standing, say, perhaps on a mountain or on a hill looking down on the city and says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. Here we see Jesus who is full of sorrow and expressing frustration. I remember my elderly aunt. She lived on a nearby farm with my grandfather and grandmother, and she loved to hatch chickens and geese, the old-fashioned way. She would hatch those eggs, she would watch the hens hatch their eggs in back of the garage where she had constructed a little hut. And when I would visit over there, I would enjoy seeing the mother hen go about with her chicks behind her. Go out into the yard leading the chicks as they search for food. She would scratch the dirt and look for a tasty worm or a bit of grass or maybe a grasshopper or a cricket. Clocking all the time, keeping the chicks near her. But on occasion, when that mother hen heard a strange sound or saw a bird in the air that came close, she would cluck, cluck, cluck real fast and louder. And she would call the chicks together that way and gather them under her feathers. And then she would crouch down and she would be ready to peck at whatever came close, protecting them from danger. Now that's an image that Jesus uses as he talks about God's care and protection. But he said, while the chicks hear the hen's warning and knew enough to go under the wings, the people of Jerusalem did not run to God's care and cover and guidance. Jesus tried to call them together, invited them to cover under God's wings, but they would not, they would not. A sad phrase to show how people, as St. John put it, love the darkness rather than the light. Now, of course, the image shows us a God of love who clucks, who calls, who begs people to come under his wings. But they continue on their way, unaware of the dangers that now threaten them. The call to come under God's wings is a wonderful sign of God's love and compassion. For it shows us how badly God wants to gather, protect, and nurture us all, all those whom he has claimed as his own through baptism. But we all have a free will. And we can be corrupted by the inborn sin that rests within us, the old Adam. And sometimes we hear that call from God pretty clearly, but refuse to listen. And sometimes we refuse God's care and cover and guidance, and we insist on striking out on our own. Because of that rebellion and our sinful nature, we sometimes reject God's grace and love, a refusal that we will regret. So Lent is a time when we must gather together and listen for that cluck, cluck, cluck of God. And when we return, we will find the God who loves us and wants to cover us with his forgiveness, his unmerited love and favor. For God is determined to call us again and again urgently, even when we don't want to listen. For it's a mark of his grace, 
a sign of his deep love for us. Listen now for the cluck, cluck, cluck of God and flee to life and forgiveness under God's wings. Amen. Hymn number 613. Join with me as we confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who is the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He said, of the Lord be with you all. Let us greet each other and share the peace.
Thank you. This is the first time I've gotten an offering in a bucket. <laughs> Blessed are you, O God, sovereign of the universe. You offer us new beginnings and guide us on our journey. Prepare us to care, carry your love to a hungry world. In the name of Christ, our light. Amen. Together we pray the prayer that our Savior taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated for the announcements. I don't have any announcement. Perhaps somebody else does. Um, <clears throat> Pastor, I have one announcement. We have a birthday girl in Ooh. the congregation today, Linda Eden. I have no idea how old she is. <laughs> and I'd rather not guess. But let's all... <laughs> but let's all sing to Linda. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you all forever. Amen. Closing hymn is number 667. Peace serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Liturgy Copyright 2021 
Augberg Fortress, all rights reserved. Music and lyrics reprinted with permission under one license, number A-729734, all rights reserved.